0: This is News Talk 980 CKNW.
1: We have been talking a lot about the legalization of marijuana in Canada, and we are going to open up the phone lines after the 8.30 news this morning. But right now we are joined by SFU criminology professor Neil Boyd. He's also written about this issue in a special to the Globe and Mail. Neil Boyd, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Uh, Talk a little bit, uh, you touch on this uh, in uh, what you wrote about the legislation and what we've seen of it so far. And uh, we've been told time and time again, one of the main reasons is to get the criminal element out of the marijuana trade. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about your thoughts uh, on if this legislation will accomplish that?
0: Yeah, I think first, what do we mean by the criminal element? Um, If you look at uh, public safety, uh, Canada's public safety ministry, they define it as two, three individuals, uh, who have any interest in material gain, so in other words, anybody who makes any kind of profit or any any kind of money at all from uh, cannabis sales is a part of organized crime. The Ministry of Justice says, uh, in terms of their definition of organized crime, these are folks who um, use force, threats of violence, uh, possible corruption to accomplish their ends. That's a very different kind of organized crime, and when the public uh, I believe, think about organized crime and organized criminals, they tend to think of individuals who fall into that latter category. In other words, people who use some element of force, coercion, or corruption to accomplish their ends. Now, it turns out that most people in the marijuana industry don't fall into that latter category. They may make money from sales, uh, but but they are not involved in hurting other people or threatening other people or in any other form of corruption. So... um, in terms of eliminating organized crime, um, you know, depends on what you mean by organized crime. Um, at the same time, however, we want to eliminate the black market. We want to have a regulated market. And uh, that's going to be tricky. Much will depend on what the legislation finally looks like and what the response is in terms of law enforcement.
1: And what about as far and maybe this is too much too much of a focused detail, but even the price, uh, there has been talk oh, about the price of it yeah, and and how yeah. that will that will play into this.
0: I, I'm not too concerned about the price. I you know we can look at what happened in Washington State. They set the price too high. They dropped back because they realized that the black market was just surging. So I think we have to set a price that is consistent with current black market prices. I mean marijuana can be produced. For about $2 a gram, it's typically sold for somewhere between 7 and $10 a gram in the black market. Um, that leaves lots of room for taxes and for uh, public uh, benefits uh, to flow from sales. So I think that it's uh, possible to imagine um, a price that will not... Uh, allow or will not encourage very many people to enter the black market. And most consumers would rather go to a store where they know exactly what they're getting rather than just buy from um, the, the illicit market.
1: Um, and I'm looking at it and thinking, uh, when uh, comparing to it, and I know it's different, but if we compare to how the government deals with selling alcohol or re- yeah. regulating it, that yeah. market, uh, yeah. but I'm imagining, too, it's it's midnight or it's 1 o'clock in the morning and somebody wants to buy marijuana. There's still going to be that desire or that need to purchase it somewhere. And my guess is there's not going to be a government store that's open at that time of day.
0: No, I mean, it, you know, so much depends on how retail is open and, and. Uh, Uh, You know, I I think marijuana and alcohol are quite different. Obviously, alcohol is more toxic. Um, uh, uh, um, Not that marijuana is benign, but um, I'm not sure how often we're going to face that kind of an issue. You know, somebody up late and desperate to buy marijuana, Um, in, in the sort of party atmosphere of alcohol, that does tend to happen.
1: Uh, there's also this idea of being able to grow four plants, but they can only be a certain height and, and with the oversight, and you've written about this by local authorities. So we had a, a local city councillor on on the program or talking to our newsroom saying uh, he hopes and there would also be funding for enforcement. Uh, my guess is that's not going to happen. Uh, how will that play out, though, as far as people being allowed to grow four plants of a certain size?
0: Well, I can't see it in multifamily dwellings. I really don't. See how that makes sense unless i mean the odors can be intrusive and if you're talking about a sophisticated growing operation albeit only for four plants in other words these metal halide lights and so forth um you need some kind of regulation of that and i just can't imagine that any municipality wants to get involved in that um, kind of regulation i i don't see a problem with people growing um up to four plants outdoors i don't Think that should be an issue, but I think indoor growing uh, for private purposes, um, you know, we, I, most municipalities are not going to want to be involved in handling thousands or tens of thousands of these applications. So I think that's going to change as we go through uh, the process. But the idea behind it was to ensure, again, uh, another effort to try to get rid of the black market. You can grow your own. Um, it's certainly possible to imagine. Um, even in the Vancouver climate, the people could grow outdoors in the summer. And, uh, but, but again, I mean, most of us um, who drink beer or wine, we we don't make our own wine or beer. A few people make their own beer, but but most people um, buy it from liquor stores. And uh, I suspect that that will be the same with cannabis.
1: And uh, one other uh, thing I wanted to touch on, which you uh, wrote about as well, and I know there is uh, many people that are questioning this, is the fact that it is still. It's not as though it's been decriminalized. While this is happening, it is still very much an illegal activity. Although we don't see, I mean, we do see arrests here and there, but do we? We don't. Do we see people still going to jail for possession?
0: I don't think so. There may be one or two, but you know, arrest uh, and conviction brings about a number of. Uh, possible disabilities for employment, and certainly for travel to the United States. So it's not without consequence. And if we look back at people who were convicted in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, there have been some pretty significant uh, problems for them as a result of those convictions. And, and in terms of the science, what we know about effects of change, um, we don't know very much at all about the effects of legalization. We, we, we're Gathering information now from Washington and Colorado, but we do know quite a bit about the effects of decriminalization of possession. And most of us who study this area can say with some um, degree of confidence that that is not a change that uh, affects rates of use. If you were, if you wanted to start tentatively with a small step, um, that would be the step to take. Now, at the same time, uh, that doesn't help you deal with the illicit market. So, I do think the liberals are right to legalize, but. But given their uh, time frame, they could have taken the first step now of decriminalization of possession.
1: Neil Boyd, great to chat with you. Thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. All right. Have a good day. You
0: too. Bye-bye. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980
1: CKNW.